You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everyone. This is Hal Luftig with my Broadway podcast network show, Broadway Biz, where every episode I will chat with my friends, some of the top theater professionals in the business, about the business of Broadway. Charlotte St. Martin came to the Broadway League as its executive director in 2006. Prior to this, Charlotte was one of the highest ranking women in the hospitality industry at Lowe's Hotels. She was named president of the Broadway League in 2015. Outside of the league, Charlotte serves on the board of trustees for Broadway Cares, Equity Fights Aids, and the Actors Fund. It's an honor for me to welcome Charlotte St. Martin to Broadway Biz. Hi, Charlotte. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Hal. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Besides you doing an incredible job uh, in leadership since you've been with us at the League, um, you are one of my favorite people on earth. And the way you are leading, have led us and continue to lead us is actually inspirational um, because I, I watch you in some of our meetings, which, you know, are not always easy. We have a lot of different personalities and the way you, you sort of float down those treacherous waters is actually inspirational. And I just want you to know, I have used you as an inspiration when I have to sort of negotiate with actors, you know, agents and, and directors and things like that. I, I, I actually think sometimes what would Charlotte St. Martin do? So I, I'm deeply, deeply uh, grateful for your leadership and especially that you're on with us today. Um, so, Charlotte, I was wondering if you could tell us in your story of how you came to the League. What was that journey for you? Well, Hal, I've been working since I was 12 years old, and almost every role I've had, with the exception of some of my very early roles uh, after I got out of college, were related to the hospitality industry and were related to organizations with perishable inventory, like hotels. You didn't sell that room last night. That revenue is gone forever. The same as Broadway. You didn't sell that seat last night. That revenue is gone forever. And I particularly love to serve. I've always loved to serve. I believe that uh, associations are one of the gifts 
that this country has. I do believe that the sum total is greater than the parts. I got on an association board at 22 years old. It happened to be called the Distributive Education Council Board, and I have since served on the board of, been an officer of, or chaired an association my entire adult life. And I believe in them because they bring people together. Hopefully they provide a safe place to discuss issues, to discuss possibilities, to solve problems. So that belief led me to chair major associations within the hospitality industry and the hotel industry. And I became known as a person that could get competing organizations to work together for common goals. Like we created a diversity initiative for the hotel business 30 years ago between the three top competing trade associations. But it was something we were all grappling with and it made great sense for us to work together. So when the uh, search company that was hired by the Broadway League uh, were doing their their outreach to uh, people that would help them find the right candidate. They said they wanted somebody that learned how to build consensus. And apparently my name came up from several different sources because I had done that work early on in my career. I had just left Lowe's Hotels. I was with them for 28 years. Absolutely loved them. It's one of the finest corporations in the world. But I had traveled 75% of the time for 25 years. And one day I woke up and said, stick a fork in me. I am done. I cannot get on another airplane every week and sometimes two or three times a week. So they found me through a search company called Horn Ferry. Wow. Uh, I was not part of the um, the committee that was the search committee for uh, the new executive director. Uh, but I remember that we were very close or we were told it was down to two. And then suddenly, uh, up pit the brakes, we found this great new candidate, Charlotte St. Martin. And next thing I knew, you were you were the the, the president. I remember meeting you for the first time. And, you know, before you joined the league, it was uh, not as organized, let's say, as it is now under your leadership. And I remember thinking, wow, um, this poor woman, you know, from from Texas is, has no idea what she's just stepped into. But here you are so many years later. And uh, I, I just I have to once again commend you. I wish others could see you in action. So uh, here's a question that I know a lot of listeners would love to hear, and I get it asked too. What does the Broadway League do? The Broadway League is a trade association, which means we represent the commercial theater in the country. And we do things, we do things like obviously membership, but we were originally formed to negotiate a multi-employer bargaining unit for all of our producers with all of the unions. We have 17 union contracts with 14 unions, and that's why we were originally formed. We were also formed at the same time for two reasons. One was the union reason, and the second was to fight fraudulent ticket brokers. And guess what? 
some 80 something years later, we're still doing the same thing. <laughs> Fortunately, we're doing a lot of other very important things. One yeah. of the things that is often overlooked until you need it is we do all of the research, both locally and nationally for the commercial theater industry. And we are able to talk to our elected officials and say to them, for example, in New York City, that we provide an economic impact of over $14.5 billion to this city. That helps us get things done. So we do research both uh, locally and uh, federally across this whole country, and we talk to our elected officials with that research. We clearly market, and we uh, market the brand of Broadway. Of course, our fabulous shows market their own brands, but we market the brand of Broadway. And we do that through common programs like Kids Night on Broadway that we do on an annual basis. And we do, and we do it not just in New York, but across the country. We do it through programs like Stars in the Alley. We do it through that little show called the Tony Awards that uh, come every June with, uh, with the American Theater Wing. We partner in that broadcast, which is a three-hour, what I call live love fest for commercial theater and Broadway. And we have many other things, all of our educational programs uh, and audience engagement programs that help us to introduce Broadway to, uh, to new people. Like one of the things I'm most proud of is that we launched two years ago a program in New York City called Broadway Bridges, and our goal is to have every high school student in New York City, all five boroughs, see a Broadway show before they graduate. Well, that's 70,000 kids. We're building up to that. This year, we will do 25,000 kids that are sophomores or above. Eventually, we'll get to the 70,000, and we're trying to find ways to take that program and make it work in other cities where there's a lot of theater. I mean, we happen to have 41 theaters. So clearly we're able to reach uh, through the number of seats that we have more people than say Tempe, Arizona, but there may be something we can do about that. We have many other audience engagement programs and one that uh, we have been managing for about seven years is called the Jimmy Awards. The Jimmy's are the Tonys for teens. Over 170,000 kids compete in 43 regional competitions, and that's from 1,900 schools to each, to send two students from each region to New York City to be trained by professional actors and coaches and musicians and dancers. They perform live on a Broadway stage and we select winners, uh, best, best actress and best actor on that evening, and we give out 20 scholarships. So those are some of the things that we do to spread the brand of Broadway, to build audiences, build our future workforces that are out there. We also obviously do things uh, that normal Trade associations do like have conferences and educational programming and professional development for our members and their staff. So it's a wide uh, set of offerings 
that we offer to our members and to the country about what it is that we do. Wow, that is really that is really terrific. I I must say, um, I personally uh, love the uh, idea of Broadway Bridges and its existence. Um, I think when you first started it, I just I thought the idea of making sure that younger people get to experience theater, live theater, um, is is crucial. And by making uh, a child have the experience or letting a child have that experience, I think is just, is just brilliant. Charlotte, you know, one of the purposes of this program, why we call it Broadway biz is that we try to explain to our listeners how the economics of Broadway or it's the commercial side of Broadway matches with its artistic side um, and sort of demystify, you know, what it takes to put on a Broadway show financially, economically, artistically. I always get the question, why are theater tickets so expensive? Charlotte, why are tickets so expensive? What, what do you say? Well, I say two things. One, I say we have the best theatrical employees in the world. I know London might like to disagree with me, but I'll, <laughs> I'll take them on any day. And they're also the most expensive. And they, they are professionals. They work eight shows a week, 364 uh, days a year, and they're terrific, but they're not cheap. And Broadway is seen as the epitome of live theater, and it is because we have the best sets. We have incredible directors. We have amazing marketing programs and I could just keep going the designers all of them are the best in the business and we know that because all other forms of entertainment come steal them the opera uses you know our set designers and our directors and some of our actors and I could just keep going you see our people everywhere and that's because they are the best at what they do but they're not free and what people think when they hear Broadway and ticket prices, they, they hear Hamilton, $800. Uh, right. They don't see that the average ticket price on any given day is between $100 and $125. They don't realize that 75% of the tickets are under $125 and 50% of the tickets are under $100. And when you think that these theaters are anywhere from six, seven hundred seats to a couple of thousand seats, that's all the revenue they can get. They aren't on television. They aren't mm -hmm. in a big arena with 80,000 seats. They're in a small theater, which by the standards of a movie theater or an arena, they are small. And it's one of the reasons theater is magical, because you are in that room. You are sharing that experience, whether it's laughter or uh, joyful emotions or crisis or sad emotions. You're experiencing it with however many other people that are in that theater. And you're seeing it live and up close. And you really get to escape into that experience. So... Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's very 
expensive to do a Broadway show. The, the statistics over the years have shown that in a good year, one out of four shows recoups on its investment. In a bad year, it's one out of five. 60 mm. years ago, it took six months for a hit show to recoup its investment. Today, for most shows, it's two years. You've got to run two years just to recoup your investment and then to start paying back dividends. Mm -hmm. So Broadway's pricing and the tickets are certainly not free, but when you look at and compare them to other forms of live entertainment, whether it's concerts, whether it's sports, I'll put our pricing up against all of those and say, how many times do you get to see the best actors in the world in a room that has 1,500 seats and just pay 125 to get to go? I agree completely um, with everything you just said. That was perfectly said. And uh, is there a, a place where uh, one of our listeners can go from the league to see all these different programs that are available to them? Absolutely. Broadwayleague.com. You can look at all of the programs. Uh, Broadway.org. You can go see all of the shows that are playing on Broadway and around the country. And if you click on the shows, you can go straight to the, the ticketing website and buy a ticket and see all of the pricing that's available. And I do have to plug a new website we have that we're very proud of because all of a sudden Broadway and theater has become bigger and more uh, accepted than it's ever been in its history. And we created a site called careers.broadway. And on that site, you have over 80 forms of uh Jobs. I mean, 80 types of jobs that you can have to work on theater. Everybody knows about the actors and the ushers, but they don't really realize how many people work on Broadway and how many uh, careers there are to participate in this, this very exciting, engaging, and passionate uh, form of entertainment. So mm -hmm. if you're interested in a career on Broadway, Go to careers.broadway. Send, uh, send your friends who are interested in what you do if you work in the theater already and let them explore what the careers are. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Charlotte, you touched on something, and, and I know I don't want to get too, you know, we're in a very specific time in Broadway history. Uh, but that said, um, there's a lot of talkie, you know, even before this uh, pandemic, that about streaming. And, you know, I, I think there are two schools of thought that streaming is great because it brings theater into the homes of people who uh, otherwise couldn't see theater for be price related or or distance related you know we i know we tour in a lot of big cities but some of these people are two three hours away from those big cities um and and so one of the schools of thought is this is great because it allows more people to experience there's another school of thought that by by streaming this we're not fully capturing the uniqueness, the beauty, the fun of being in a theater with, you know, a thousand other people laughing or, or, you know, uh, you know, crying if it would be, but, but, you know, the emotional connection. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about your feelings, you know, on, on what you think of streaming, good, bad, and why. Well, I think you summarized beautifully that there are two uh, two areas of thought. We certainly have a lot of producers that are 100% convinced that there is no way that you can truly show the magic that occurs on stage through live streaming. And then there are others that have seen the Metropolitan Opera and said, well, it may not be the same as being in the room, but it's pretty great if I can't be there. I personally fell initially into the trend of thought that was, it's not as great to watch it live stream or on a big screen until there was a show about five or six years ago called The Nance with Nathan Lane. It was a play. Oh, yes. It moved me beyond many things I had ever experienced, and I loved it. And what I learned later is that they had filmed it, and I was invited to go to the premiere of the film. It was in a small theater, and I loved it just as much. But what was important is that what the screen allowed you to do was to see those emotions and that face up close. And in checking it out later, I learned that it costs a lot of money to add the cameras and to do what it takes to, uh, to film a show. Uh, if anyone saw Hamilton perform on stage at the Grammys a few years back, it was spectacular and it captured the magic of what happens on stage at the Hamilton. I immediately called the producer and I said, what did you do? How did you make that happen? And he said, well, it's very easy if you've got plenty of money to have five cameras uh, doing this. So to be live streamed would require us to have a completely different financial model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The costs to have the, the shows live streamed or filmed and put in any form of media is just cost prohibitive unless we change the model. I'm all for trying to find a new model, uh, but I'm not a producer and I don't make those investments. So who knows? There may be a day when we're able to do that. 
if I were a producer, I would say, why don't we go negotiate a contract with the actors so that if we make money, they get a share of it if we live stream it. But what do I know about that, right? I wouldn't say that exactly. In fact, uh, thank you, Charlotte. You've led me right into the next question, which is, um, in your opinion, what makes a good producer? Curiosity, enthusiasm, persistence, unlike any persistence I've ever seen needed in any careers that I've been closely uh, connected to. That a passion for doing your project I've already mentioned that one out of four shows is a good uh, result to have one show out of four recoup. But I've never met a producer who believed that their show wasn't going to recoup. And part of that is their passion for the work. And I think that is critical. There are many producers that are artists themselves. And there are others that just love the art and they go find the best people they can find or people who share their sensibilities. I think producers have to be generalists. They have to be able to work with all different kinds of unique personalities. I mean, you talk about my role working with producers and theater owners and presenters and general managers and the people who also put the business together like the unions or uh, the industry folks that bill sets, etc. And yes, they are complex individuals, but you take a producer and you look at all of the people they have to work for from the personalities that the actors have, some of which are humble, some of which may have a strong ego, and that may be what it takes to do what they do every day. And then you add the director, and then you add all of the other designers, and you say, I'm sorry, you can't have everything you want, because this show has to eventually recoup its investment. So it requires a person with leadership skills, with either creativity or the smarts to hire the most creative people they can find, and with a passion that says they're willing to risk amazing amounts of capital to bring this art form to our stages. Uh, they're, they're amazing people. I always have a, a, a time when I say about producers that nothing happens till somebody produces something. We co-sponsor uh, and handle the Commercial Theater Institute and we give the Whitehead Award every year to previous students and to leading producers and I always start off my remarks with nothing happens till somebody produces something <laughs> and that's very true. It <laughs> is very funny. It is very true. Um, you Talking about programs that the league uh, does sponsor to, to, as you said, encourage um, different ways a person can work in theater without being an actor. Could you talk a little bit about CTI, which stands for Commercial Theater Institute, and how that came about and how it, it, it just works briefly, just so our listeners, uh, anyone who might be interested in producing could hear? Sure. Well, Commercial Theater Institute has many programs. The one that it got started with uh, has a 14-week every Monday night during the winter and early spring 
session that's three hours. They have no more than 28 people that are allowed to participate, and they get the best in the business uh, speaking with these would-be producers about how to produce, how to direct, how to uh, how to create the insurance, to get the insurance, how to hire people, how to develop the contracts. Really a, a very in-depth uh, training on how to become a producer. Mm-hmm. Many of them become investors first, and they learn by being investors how to be a mm-hmm. co-producer. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, many of them become lead producers and general partners. Uh, there are other uh, opportunities with Commercial Theater Institute. There's a three-day weekend program that gives you a broader perspective in three days of all that goes into making theater. And then there are one-day seminars, like one of my favorite is what was your your biggest flop? They call it lovingly the flop house. And you have these successful producers who talk about a show that they've done that completely flopped, and they talk about what they learned from that and how they use those lessons going forward. Uh, there's a, 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 a session that they do for a number of times a year and for certain organizations, like who gets what? Because a lot of people don't understand the mm-hmm. economics of Broadway. Mm-hmm. So this particular seminar actually shows who gets what and why there's so little bit left to go around. So that's kind of a bird's eye view of the Commercial Theater Institute. But they also have a website, which you can include there, and people can go take a look and see if there are things they're interested in. That That's terrific. And I have full disclosure, I've been on a few of those panels, which uh, actually was sort of the impetus for this podcast series, uh, because I've, I've discovered that when people go to that program, they really don't know you know, they're learning what that's why they're there, but they really have no idea uh, initially everything from, you know, legalities of putting on a show to, to the artistic choices one makes. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really a great program. And, and this program is open to anyone, Charlotte. Um, It is absolutely. I mean, you have, uh, you have applications and especially for the 14 week, you know, we, uh, we require pretty substantial documentation about uh, about why you want to do the program. Uh, we ask for references, um, and as it is such a limited program and it is such a high level, we have to ensure that this is not just a curiosity, that these mm-hmm. are serious people looking at this as an industry for themselves. But mm-hmm. yes, I mean, there's no criteria that keeps them out other than their interest and uh, and the backgrounds. Where do you see Broadway going in, in the future? Well, we've just witnessed the golden age of Broadway, which I've been privileged mm-hmm. to be part of. Uh, we've had 12 record-breaking years for attendance and product. Uh, it's just been amazing. But theater has been around for 4,000 years. And I recently heard a presentation that was talking about the history of theater. And there have only been two times when theater actually stopped. One was during a major pandemic across the world. And another was when uh, the uh, liquor laws changed dramatically and 
they had to shut down theater and then they learned that people were doing theater and observing theater in their backyards. So Broadway will come back. Theater will come mm. back. People need this art form. It transforms them. If you could see the letters and the emails and the calls that we're getting for people, when are you back? How soon can I buy tickets? Uh, mm. It's very heartening because theater has become part of people's lives and they're not going to accept not having it be part of their lives. They're going to find a way to get back. Will it take a while? Probably, uh, but it will be back and it will be back stronger and better than ever. I mean, the, one of the selfish reasons we at the league have and doing a lot of our audience engagement programs is we know that once you see a Broadway show, you will always go. So we want to protect the future of theater as people have done in the past. But by doing these programs with, uh, with these high school students and many other programs for other ages that other people are doing, we're building the future audiences. And in the last couple of years, We've had the youngest audience in history on Broadway. Over 25% of our audience is under the age of 25. And last season alone, there were over 3 million of the 14.8 million theater goers under the age of 18. So we're building those audiences for the future. And we're building it because there's really nothing like the live theatrical experience. I love movies. I love television. I love concerts, but I'd give all of those up to go see a live Broadway show. And I think there are a lot of people out there that feel that way. Over 30 million people see a live Broadway show in the United States alone every year. Wow. And this is what I mean uh, to my listeners when I say that this woman, Charlotte St. Martin, is incredibly inspirational. What you just heard is why... Um, I admire her so because she just, her conviction, her, her passion for what we all love in theater is right there embodied in, in, in one person. They say all good things must come to an end and I'd love to speak to you forever, but I know I can't and I want to let you go. But before I do, I have three rapid fire questions that I ask every guest. And all I ask is that you don't really think about it too much. You say the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? The first one is, what is your favorite musical? Chorus Line. What is the wackiest moment you experienced in the theater? Oh, my. I think when somebody uh, in a balcony threw up on somebody below. And I think you know something about that. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, I do. And so the lesson learned from this was... I'm not sure that I know what the lesson is. <laughs> <laughs> the lesson is don't ever sit below a balcony. <laughs> well, <Maybe> Charlotte, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this has been such an absolute delight. I can't thank you enough for joining me today. Have a wonderful day. And uh, no, I'm so grateful for the time you gave us today. I adore you. And I adore you. And I loved every minute of talking with you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Broadway Biz. If you have any questions about today's episode or the business of Broadway in general, let me know on Instagram at Broadway Biz Podcast. 
or via email at broadwaybiz at halluftig.com. Be sure to follow me at Broadway Biz Podcast for updates on everything Broadway Biz, the business of Broadway. Broadway Biz is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Huge thanks to Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and Brittany Bigelow. This has been produced by Dylan Marie Parent and Kevin Connor and edited by Derek Gunther. Our fabulous theme music is by Nell Benjamin and Lawrence O'Keefe. To learn more about Broadway Biz, visit bpn.fm slash broadwaybiz. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.